Well, good morning, Canyon Hills. So great to see each and every one of you here this morning. You may be seated. And happy Father's Day, dads. Happy Father's Day, Carlos. Matt, happy Father's Day to you. It's so great to see you here this morning. You know, I think we should start off this morning a little bit different. What do you say if I were to challenge you to see if I can make you laugh before you can make me laugh? Well, if we're going to do that, Matt, I know we're not supposed to bet at church, so don't ever bet it, but we should at least put some skin on the game. What do you say? At least coffee. If I make you laugh, you buy me coffee. If you make me laugh, well, you know what I mean. Okay, fair or enough. Or maybe lunch. Fair, okay, yeah, fair enough. How about right. I go first? Well, take, go ahead. How, I'll even drink water just to make sure. How do you know when a joke becomes a dad joke? Don't know. When it becomes apparent. That's cute. Very cute, Matt. I like it. Matt, did you know that I have a stepladder? I never knew my real ladder. It's going to take a while, but it'll. you guys can get it later. Or not. <clears throat> well, do you know who the first orphan in the Bible was? No, I don't. Joshua, son of Nun. Nice. Wow, these are bad dad jokes. I, don't you hate it when people answer their own questions? I do. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. All right, good. here's my final one. I saved the best for last. You ready for this? Um, I'm as ready as I'm going to get, Matt. What do you call Batman when he doesn't go to church? Mm. Christian Bale. Oh. That, that's good. You got, yes. I got to give it to you for that. Yes. You know, I went to the ear doctor the other day, and he said that I'm losing my hearing. I was really tough to hear. Mm. Oh, man. Anyway, first, I just want to apologize for dad jokes, but we we had to do it. But happy Father's Day to every Mm -hmm. single father here. And for those of you listening online, we're just so glad that you're joining us again. Apologize for the dad jokes, but we had to do it. But you know, one of of the things that I I did... uh, hear about this week that I, that I want to tell you about, Matt, because it's really important. I, for all of you dads, we have, to, we have to do something about that. Did you know that Father's Day is the worst holiday in the world? Did you know that, Matt? I did not know that. I think I need to sit down after hearing that kind of information. No, I know. Basically, now, now they did some research, okay? So I'm not kidding here. This is the, the number one holiday in the world is Christmas, which we would all agree with. Number two, you wouldn't disagree with it either. It is Mother's Day, right? So you have Chris, you have Jesus, and then you have moms all in. You know where dad falls in? Mm -mm. It's number 20 on the list. Mm. That means that there's 18 other holidays before you and I, Matt. That's messed up, really, if you think about it. True. Number six is Halloween. Number 13 is Arbor Day, which I didn't even know what it was. I had to look it up. It's apparently you celebrate trees. So now you have Jesus, you have moms, ghosts, and trees all before you, Matt. Mm-hmm. How, do, how does that feel? It's rough. So here, here's what I want us to do today. I want us to redeem Father's Day. I mm-hmm. want us to at least try to put it back on the top 10. So here's what I say, dads. When you go home today, just celebrate Father's Day. Take your naps. Watch the golf channel. I mean, do whatever. Grill your steak. Drink your beer. Whatever it is that you do to celebrate. But let's just try our best to bring it back, back to at least the top 10. Would you, would you do that today, yeah. Matt? Well, today... Of course, it is Father's Day, and we are going to talk about Scripture. So we found a psalm, Matt and I found Psalm 127, and I really feel so strongly that it is a word in season today. 
Psalm 127 is really five short verses, but, but they, they're really packed with a lot. And, and let me read that portion of Scripture for you. If you don't have your Bibles, follow along, but it's Psalm 127, starting in verse 1, and this is what it says. It says, Matt, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. And then here's my favorite part of this, of this psalm. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. You're a young dad, Matt. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. So just to get us started this morning, Matt, can you give us some context into this psalm? Yeah, of course. You know, I love this verse because there are so many people out there who really think that children aren't mentioned a lot in the Bible, that they're just kind of absent. But that's furthest thing from the truth. You know, if we look at the Old Testament and even in ancient Israel, a lot of scholars today, they believe that adults only live to be about 40 years old, that they would die from war or famine or disease or even in childbirth. And so children, they played a very significant part in culture, in society, and in biblical history. Now, we know when we read stories from the Bible that typically we hear about the boys, right? We don't hear too much about the girls. And that's because it's a very patriarchal society. That means that when the girls would get married, they would go and live with their husbands, as naturally they should. And then the boys, as they grew older, their responsibility was to stay at home and take care of their parents, to defend them in war, to provide for them, to take over the family business, and just carry on that kind of lineage, be that heritage, if you will. And that's what Solomon, he's really trying to point us to here. And he uses this word heritage to convey this idea. And the word heritage, if you look it up in the Hebrew, the root word is this word nakala, and it means to get or to inherit as a blessing. And back then, even as it is still today, it was seen as this amazing responsibility to be entrusted with the care of a child from God. And so Solomon, he's telling all of us as parents and especially as dads that it's our responsibility to raise up our kids, to stand by them, to defend them, to help lift them up, to encourage them, and to send them out with wisdom into this world when we really start to understand this. And so that's why Solomon, he's talking about how a man is blessed whose quiver is full of them because children become the lineage of their fathers. Mm. And as we see even in ancient Israel, the strength of the people really relied upon their ability to take care of children, to raise up children. And so Solomon's saying that it's our responsibility as dads, as fathers, and even as parents to really make sure our kids are well-equipped, that they know who God is, that they feel loved, they feel safe, they feel secure before we launch them out into this world. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's, there's so much amazing things that yes. Solomon has to say here. But in thinking about that and, and knowing this history, let me ask you a question. As a seasoned father, uh, in Psalms 127, verse 1, it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And so my question is, how have you, as a dad, used this verse in your life to parent? Well, first of all, thank you for calling me seasoned and not old. I really appreciate that. That's welcome, very Boomer. nice of you. Oh, okay. Boomer, huh? 
Millennial. Okay, mm. anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get Ouch. going here. Uh, you know, th- this whole psalm is just, uh, it really is just amazing. You mentioned that Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote this, this psalm, which, which really follows in Solomon's words, also from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is another book from the Bible that Solomon wrote. So this follows those words. And in summary, really what, what this verse is saying or the scripture is saying is that it is vain to attempt things without the Lord. Period. But of course, if we're talking to dads here this morning, it's also telling us that builders work in vain unless the Lord builds it. And it's talking about a foundation. So the picture here that it is painted is that any work that is done independently of God is futile and that we must build a strong foundation for our kids. Now, you ask me what I thought about it because when I was a young father, I know back when I was in Vietnam kind of thing, I know I get it, but listen for a second. Here's how I viewed raising my kids. And I'm generalizing here, so I'm not saying that's what you do. I'm saying that's what I did when I, was, when I first started kind of with my first child trying to raise him. You raise up your child in the, to be the best thing that they can be or the best, uh, to be the best at something. For my family, it ended up that it was soccer because that ended up being the, the, you know, the sport that they played. That was their primary sport. So again, so what I did as, as it relates to soccer, to give you an example, I trained them up, uh, I taught them, I coached them, I pushed them, I, 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 I did so many things to make sure that they were the greatest soccer player that they could be. Why did I do that? Well, so that they can play club soccer. Why? So that they can play high school soccer. Why? So that they can perhaps maybe get a scholarship at college. Why? So they can go to college and they can graduate and they can have a successful career so that they can be what every parent wants their kids to be, happy and successful. All of it, good stuff. All of it, nothing wrong with. But, but let me turn this scripture into a question for dads. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So I turned that into a question for dads this morning. What good is it if your child plays Division I soccer and misses eternity in heaven? So that means that I try to create opportunities to build their foundation on God rather than something that can be taken away. I mean, what if my kids weren't good at soccer or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to be good at? What if they don't play past the age of 12? You know, oftentimes, if we're not careful, oftentimes what can happen, even as adults, as if we fail at something and we don't have a foundation, that means a strong foundation on God, we're going to struggle with our identity because we find our identity in what we do or what our title is. So our children need to start learning early that their foundation is on God and what God has to say about them and who they are in Christ. Because you know the world, Matt, is going to test that. Which leads me to the second verse of Psalm 127. This one says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You know, as a young millennial, hmm. Hmm, I had to throw that in there, I'm sorry. What, what, is, what does this verse mean to you as far as it, relate, as, as it relates to priorities? Because this is what it's talking about. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. You know, I, if I'm being honest, I struggle with this one quite a bit because I'm a workaholic. <laughs> Anybody who knows me, I'm here one second and I'm gone the next. I'm always moving from one place to another and always finding things to do. And I know one of the things my wife hates the most about me is that when we're on vacation, I don't know what to do with myself because I feel like I should be doing something else. So I find other work to do. And I know it's a character flaw of mine, but 
as I really started to think about this, this verse and really just pray over this message, what I realized is that my heart's desire is really simply just to provide for Oliver. Mm. I want him to grow up loving the Lord. I want him to be successful in life. I want him to be happy. But somewhere deep down inside, I am terrified of the world that he's ultimately going to step into. That as I watch the news, as I read stories about what's happening in schools and in our world around us, it frightens me when I think about when he leaves our care, what is the world actually going to look like? And so I think that's why I work so hard right now to make sure that he has everything possible that he needs to make it in this world, because I don't know what it's going to look like. And I, I also realize in the midst of that, that one of my weaknesses is I can get so caught up in trying to provide for him what I think he needs that maybe I fail to realize what he actually needs the most. Mm. Um, and it makes me think of a story uh, that someone shared with me in our church of a time they went to Disneyland with their dad. And it was supposed to be a great day, and they got there early to the park, and they were in line together. And what would happen is, is they would stand in line together. Once they got to the very front of the line, the dad would leave the line, not ride the ride, and go stand in line at another attraction. So that way, when the kids got off the ride, they could just run over to that next attraction, and they'd already be jumped ahead super far in line and be able just to ride as many rides as they possibly could that day. Mm. But what he was telling me was this feeling he had that what he remembers the most that day wasn't how many rides he rode or what rides he rode. It was the fact that his dad didn't ride a single ride with him. Mm. That even though the dad had the best of intentions to provide for his kids and to be there for them, he missed out on really what they were looking for the most in that day. And so as I think about that story, I know that working is important to provide for my family. I know that it's there, but I also realize it's just as equally important to be present with my family, yes, to be there. And I think that during COVID, a lot of us as parents, we learned this. We really got to see it because as businesses were shut, we were working from home, we actually got to know our kids. We got to see new sides of them. We got to engage with them in a different way and, and really invest in their lives in a way we maybe never have before. And so it's really important that, especially me, but for all of us as dads, that we really take a look at what our priorities are and how we really are starting to lay this foundation for our kids to follow after and, and what all that looks like. So I need to learn how to shift my priorities. I need to learn how to leave work at home or work at work, not bring it home with me. Right. And, you know, really just spend time and be intentionally present with my family when I am at home. So when I read this verse, it really speaks to me because I'm one of those guys that toils. I'm always working. I'm always wanting to provide for my family and be there for them. Sure. But I also need to be present. I want Oliver to be able to look back at his childhood and not be able to say, man, dad was always working, but he could see that I put him, his mom, and God before everything else in my life. And I need to ask myself the question, what priorities does Oliver see in my life? Because he's still young. I have the opportunity to fix yes. that right now. And I think as dads, all of us, we still have, regardless of how old your kids are, that opportunity to really set that example and to make our family a priority. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for your honesty there. That's, uh, that's uh, very vulnerable of you. And I think every dad can relate to that, that struggle or that balance that we try to find between providing, supplying all of our children's needs and, and that quality time that you're talking about. And I have to be honest, as you called me a seasoned father, so I appreciate that. It really took me a while to really grasp this scripture. 
So I made some mistakes along the way. So I think it's important, Matt, for you, and even for us as seasoned fathers, to, to not beat ourselves up because we're going to miss the mark. Just understand that we're going to miss the mark sometimes and know that God has grace for you in that and that he understands that. But beyond that, I think that scripture as well helped me to prioritize basically that from a priority standpoint, those extracurricular activities that I had my kids join. You know, I stood... I, I still did all the soccer stuff, all the club soccer, all the coaching. But, but once I really took this scripture seriously, meaning that I was not going to go against that, I didn't prioritize any of their extracurricular activities over church, meaning I didn't miss church for a game. In fact, it was so important to me that I became the coach so that I can dictate the schedule. Mm, wow. That's probably why they won so much, right? <laughs> you, you know, they... They did okay, <laughs> but, but I was their coach, so I got to spend time with them, and I think that's what mattered. No, that's, that's a great viewpoint, and that's good and comforting for me as a younger dad to be able to hear. But that makes me think of another question. You know, in verse 3, it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward for him. So as a dad, how has the idea of children being a heritage or a blessing, a reward impacted your parenting? Well, for first, I'd say that I really, this is my favorite part of the scripture because kids are a heritage from the Lord. It, it is a reward. And I think part of this is that God created the family and children are that gift that God gives us as a result of having that family. And because God cares about children, uh, he cares about how they're going to be raised and nurtured, meaning that it is our responsibility. And you alluded to this already, Matt. It is our responsibility as fathers to point them to God, to protect them, to train them, to care for them. And, and as a father, my constant prayer was then when they were young, and it is even now as adults, that the same prayer that I think all of our parents have, and that is that our kids would be the salt of the earth. And I, that, that's a hard thing to pray for for our kids because you're putting a lot on them and that they would be the light of the world, that they would be different than everybody else because somebody has to make a difference for the believers here, especially in our society today. And you mentioned that the word heritage means to get or inherit as a blessing. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, we know what an inheritance is. We, what we leave behind, usually material or financial things. But this scripture is telling us that what we leave as a heritage, as an inheritance, are our children. We leave them behind, which comes with implications. That means what are we leaving behind? which reminded me of another scripture that we find in Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 10. And this is what it says, Matt. It says, see that you not despise these little ones. Speaking of our kids, right? For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What it's saying here, it's meaning that God pays special attention to the little ones and that angels watch over them and that those angels have direct access to the Father in heaven and are looking out for them and are advocating on their behalf if you don't. Mm. That comes with an implication, meaning he's watching out. It's almost like the angels are going to tell on you if you're not <laughs> doing a good job. So what this did for me is that it, that it helped me to strive to be the best dad that I could be. Again, I had to allow myself some grace because I failed a lot, but to give it my best, no, no matter how tiring it must be, and, and to be consistent in discipline. And here's a big one, and, and this is where I think all dads should listen up, to be united with your wife in that discipline. Because mm -hmm. I don't know about you dads, but my wife has come to me when it comes to the kids several times and has said this, why do I always have to be the bad guy? 
And I'm like, because you are. I'm sorry. She, <laughs> she, she, she's not here, so I can say that, but I know she's watching, so I'm, I'm in trouble. But that, that, that's really just code for we're not on the same page. Things aren't going to be okay unless we get on the same page. So being united as a parent makes all the difference. And I would also add to that that being consistent in discipline is just as important. So then here's a follow-up question for you. What is the reward then or the blessing for someone who didn't have a dad or maybe grew up with a bad dad? What are you trying to say? I'm just throwing, I'm, I'm kidding. I, thanks for pointing that out that I didn't grow up with a, with a dad. I was happy before I got here. Now I'm kind of bummed out actually. Thank you. Well, I'm totally kidding, Matt. I, I understand what it's like to grow up without a dad. Um, but I would also add that it's probably really tough to grow up with a bad dad or one that was absent, or one that was a bad example, uh, which is why it makes this psalm so much more important, right? Uh, for me, the reward was that since I didn't have a dad, that I got to see God as the picture of a father. And again, I have to be honest, I didn't see that until later on in life, but as a young father, I, I mean, I wish I would have had that model at the beginning, but, but I do now. The point being is that some of you young fathers, like you, Matt, you have that option right now that you can start now to see God as that model of what a perfect father is, so that you, compared to all the other examples that you may have. So having God as the fatherhood example is both good and bad, right? It's good because, again, you have that perfect example, but it's bad because we're going to fall short sometimes. And I want to I keep reminding us is that, that it's, we're going to miss the mark, that it's okay, and that it's okay to give ourselves grace. And I say that because dads are tough. We're tough on ourselves. We don't say it. We don't verbalize it. We just know inside, and it, it wrecks havoc sometimes when we, when we miss and, we, and uh, when we miss the mark. So I didn't have an earthly father to compare it to, so God became the model. God became my example, and I weighed what I had to say about fatherhood to what God's word had to say about fatherhood. And, and my point was that God was my father. I didn't realize it at the time when I was a young man, but I realize it now. And I'll just give you a quick example. If we follow God's word and Jesus' example of, of, of fatherhood, then we're going to see scripture in a different way. Uh, take Matthew 25, 23, for example. That scripture is very simple. A lot of people do know it. It says, well done, good and faithful. And what does it say there? Servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about servant leadership, which is one of the main characteristics of a father. And one of the main characteristics or character that we want to instill in our children, you would agree with that. But here's the point to that. It said, well done, good and faithful servant. It didn't say, well done, good and faithful CEO or leader, or entrepreneur, or influencer, or whatever it is that you may call yourself, is it servant? You know, that's just one example of how we can compare God's word to, uh, to what we think about fatherhood, and also what society thinks about fatherhood. Whether you had a dad, a bad dad, a bad example of a dad, or you, like me, you, you grew up without a dad. And I think the other reward, well, I don't think the other reward that I experienced growing up without a father is that I also had a lot, of, a lot of examples to look at, right? We, I had, I've seen other fathers. My friends had fathers. But one in particular that, that I can think of is this guy named Rick Alvarado. Uh, he may be watching. I don't know. He may not. But he's, he's uh, married one of my oldest sisters, so he's way ahead of me in, in season. And he was just a, a great example for me. He, he taught me um, integrity. He taught me about character. He taught me about compassion. And not only that, he was always there. He was always lending a helping hand whenever we needed something. So uh, 
here's, here's the other way to look at that, dads, okay? Because that, this comes again with some implications that you, dad, are not just a dad to your own children. You are a dad to everybody that is looking in. People are constantly watching. So here you have a great opportunity to be an example of what a godly father looks like. Which leads me to this next verse, Matt, that I want to ask you about. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And now this, this is powerful here. You know, the, we already talked about it. The ideal way, or at least some of you may agree with me, that we have a five-step process for launching our kids, right? Teach them to be the best. Teach them to succeed so that they can, you know, be successful and be happy. You know, the four or five-step process. But if you take a look at that model, if you will, how does that compare based on the scripture on the biblical way of launching your kids? Yeah, no, this is such a great verse. Solomon packs so much into such yes. little tiny sentences here. But I think that it, it really begins by being conscious of what we are pushing our kids into. And this is kind of what you were talking about earlier. It's, you know, what is worth pushing and what is not? Is it sports? Is it academics? Is it career? You know, is it the things that they're looking for in their life? And I think as dads, sometimes we get so caught up in trying to push the things that we think that they need that we miss that nurturing and that, that tender care and compassion and starting to instill in them things of God rather than these gifts or these talents of the world. And it starts with us recognizing that and asking, is this something that's really worth leading our kids into? What are they going to grab from that? And, you know, I think that we do have the best of intentions for our kids. We always want them to succeed. We always want them to be good. But when's the last time we actually ask them, you know, how can we be helping you? What can we do to cultivate you or to nurture you rather than just kind of dictating what they're supposed to be able to do? And a lot of that also comes from realizing that as dads, as fathers, we're not alone in this, that we are partners. We are united with our spouses. And you were talking about this with Olivia. And it's so important that we recognize that we are a team. That we are yes. a unit together and we have to function as such in the family. You know, it makes me think of Proverbs 1 8 when it says, Listen, my son, to your father's teachings, instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teachings. So I think as dads, we have these goals, these ambitions, these drives, these desires for our kids that we want to lead them towards, but it's not going to go anywhere if we're not including mom in the process. Right. That we are not in this battle of life alone. We are warriors united together. That's why. Solomon is so powerful because I love how he uses that word warriors. I mean, come on, dads. How cool is that that you're called a warrior? Yes. Right? That is such a powerful word. And if you look at the Hebrew, the root word that's used here is this word lohain. And it translates to a fighter or a warrior. It represents a person who is battle ready, who is skilled and prepared in the art of attack. I mean, that is so cool to think about as a dad that as warriors, we're, we're trained we're well-equipped, we're armored up, we have the battle plan, we know strategies, we know tactics, we know exactly the targets that we're aiming for in life and how to hit them with precision. And this is really what Solomon is leading us to, that as parents, as, as fathers, as dads, that we are called to really lead our children, mm -hmm. to really come alongside of them and really encourage them and nurture them and lead them, grow them up in who God is, grow them up in the spiritual gifts and be able to launch them out into this world with a specific target in mind. And that's why Solomon, he, he likens children to arrows, right? I mean, how cool is that? Yes. That children are arrows. And, you know, I, I had to consult some of the archery experts in the room, <laughs> but 
I know there, there are so many different types of arrows, but two types that are really important that I think relate to this is there are these field tips on arrows, which are super sharp, they're very refined, they're crafted, and they can fly with impeccable accuracy and hit the target dead on. And then there are also these blunt tips, which are kind of more for sport hunting, mm. for a close range. And I, I love that because sometimes as dads, we just want to have fun with the kids. We want to go out and do the fun things with them, and we just kind of launch them into the world just for sport but there's no real target in mm -hmm. mind and it causes them to fail in life. But we need to be really refining. We need to be sharpening these arrows to be more like field tips, to have our children be strengthened and, and refined by the word of God to hit specific targets in this life. And it's so cool when we see about this because if we craft them right and if we mold them right, man, they're going to fly straight in this life. Wow, that, but, that's, that's a great picture. But let me tell you this. Sometimes as dads, I know we horribly screw up. Yes. <laughs> we fail. And I, this is what you were alluding to earlier is that sometimes we don't shoot straight as dads. But that's where the grace of God, I think, comes into play. Mm. That as long as that upbringing, that root, that foundation of the Lord is in their life, they ultimately, by the grace of God, will find the way back. I mean, look at the story of the prodigal son. Yes. You know, it's, he was trained, he was learned by his dad, and he was launched into the world, and he went wayward. But when things got really bad, what happened? He remembered the teachings of his youth. He remembered what his dad mm. had told him, and by the grace of the Lord, he was brought back to be reshot again with, you know, intention and purpose. So, it's so important that we sharpen our kids, that we launch them being refined by the gospel than right. anything else in this world. Yeah, I think you painted a great picture of, of us dads as warriors and our kids as weapons and arrows that we get to launch to hit a specific target. And let me just tell you, the, the target being God. I mean, it's not destiny of success or whatever, which kind of reminds me, you kind of alluded to this, but it kind of reminds me of Proverbs 22, 6. And I think a lot of you guys know this scripture because it says, train up a, a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You talked about the prodigal son returning because he knew the truth. He knew that the dad loved him. But here, the, the Hebrew word that they use for train is the word hanak. Is it, what it means, it means to dedicate, and oftentimes it is used in the sense of starting, starting something, or there's, it uses two words, narrowing or honing in. So which means that child training, as you talk about sharpening, child training involves narrowing a child's conduct away from evil and towards mm. godliness, and that is the right direction. That is the target. So the picture here is to turn over or to dedicate to God and to narrow a child's walk um, with God. And I always think about, about a bowling alley, right? Where you, if you're, the kids are the bowling ball and you launch them and you, you want to put bumpers up. So in case they want to go, you don't want them to go in the gutter. You want to protect them. And I think that's what fatherhood, that's what I think of when I think of this scripture. And then when I think of this, this warrior mentality or this context in our kids, I think of, of a mighty warrior. And I think of another scripture, another word that the Bible tells us and calls all of us more than conquerors. So I think as, as my child or my children, as conquerors, which means that we need to equip them with the armor of God, that every day we should teach them to arm themselves with the armor of God, which includes a lot of things. But one of the important ones is the sword of the spirit, which, which is the word of God. That means that we point them towards the word. And I also think of warriors. I think of someone who is prepared to battle the enemy. 
Now, here's one thing that I think that all dads can learn from, and, and because I, we don't talk about it a lot. In fact, we don't talk a lot about it from the pulpit, and I think we should. And that's that we need to prepare our children to fight spiritual battles. Somehow we think that that's kind of a taboo subject or that it's just kind of, well, we don't want to talk about the devil and Satan. But we have to teach our kids at an early age that Satan is out to get them and that he's a roaring lion out to devour them. And if we don't train them to declare victory in the name of Jesus and the power that, is, that comes in the name of Jesus, teach them what that word Jesus implies. Every time we say in the name of Jesus, it comes with this power that is at everyone's disposable. So we got to teach our children that that is important, that they have the power to declare victory over their situations. Any spiritual battle, they think they're fighting against friends, against peer pressure, all of that is true. But there's more to that. We need to teach our children to declare victory over Satan and his schemes. That is such an important thing that we should do. And then there's a test that comes with all of this. Everything that you're talking about, everything that I'm talking about, there, there is a test. What we say and what we do are two different things. And our kids, as you know, are smart. They know the difference between words and actions. So dads, if your priorities are to pursue the American dream, however you might define that, then a child is most likely going to follow your example rather than your words. Because these are the things that we're truly teaching our kids, which I'm telling you that, that that's a, that's a word in season right now. Yeah, of course. You know, that brings me to, to verse five. And as we read this, there's another great question here. It's, it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And the word contend here is, is linked to this idea of being put to shame. So how do you as a dad prepare your kids not to be put to shame or to contend in a world that's so corrupt and worldly? I think you and I already spoke about different steps we can take to talk about priorities and to point them in the right direction and to launch them, to sharpen them. But I think the most important thing that we can do as dads, and I know it's the easy answer, you might consider it the Sunday school answer, but it's the most important thing we can do, and that is prayer. But I'm talking about very specific prayers. Let me give you an example. I have prayed, and I'm still praying to this day, and my kids are grown now, um, except for the last one, mostly out of the house, that I've always prayed that my fathers would get caught when they do something wrong. And if they're not flying straight, I pray that they're caught early because I want them to, if there's any character flaws, I want to be able to address them when they come up rather than, you know, when they get worse. So prayer works because I know my kids have gotten away with a lot of stuff. I'm sure they have, but I feel that some of the serious stuff, let's just say they were identified, and I think it's a result of this prayer of getting caught early. And I won't tell you which kid, but one of them, <coughs> uh, Carlos, was once caught <laughs> cheating at school. I, I, I checked with him to make sure it was okay. He was in high school. He was in an AP class, and I, as a dad, caught him, not his teacher. So what I did is I made him go to his teacher and turn himself in. And how did he do that? I said, if you don't do it, I'm going to walk into the classroom during class, and I'm going to do it for you. What do you prefer? So he goes to the teacher, and the teacher even gave him an out. He says, are you sure you want to do this? It's going to go in your record. I have to tell the dean. It's going to affect your final grade. And the answer was all yes. And, it, and I tell you that oftentimes um, we try to protect our kids at all costs and not let them feel the consequences of their sin or their action. And oftentimes we as parents, as fathers, get in the way of what God is trying to do in their life. 
which creates a whole new set of problems. But think about this. How are they going to learn? How are they going to build godly character? How are they going to be the salt of the earth if that is your prayer? How are they going to be the light of the world if we're going to basically constantly excuse their behavior? You know, the, the world, Matt, is constantly, and I tell you this because you have a young son and I have grandkids, so this never changes as a dad or a grandparent, right? The word is constantly putting godly characteristics to shame. And many of our children, again, speaking of spiritual battles, many of our children, our influence uh, will succumb to it, succumb to the peer pressure, and, and will be tempted to go by the wayside and, and to follow so our only hope against that, besides our example and everything else that we talked about, our only hope is prayer, consistent prayer, serving servant leadership, and then loving our kids through some of these obstacles that they will face or some of these um, character-building opportunities. I have one last question for you as we wrap up, Matt. Yeah. Uh, as you talk about this psalm and this scripture, I love how you put it into context, but what are one, a few things, I don't know, maybe a list of things that you want to instill in your son Oliver as it relates to this psalm? That's a tough question. I think really when it comes down to it, there are three things that I want to instill in Oliver as he grows up. First is a reverence and a love for the Lord. I think Amen. that if he has that as his foundation, everything else is going to fall into place. Secondly, uh, a respect and an empathy towards himself and to other people. I think that if he learns respect, he's going to gain some self-esteem in himself. He'll Game some kind of security or protection for himself that allow him to view other people with respect and see values in others and treat them with empathy. I mean, can you imagine what our world would look like if we had a little more respect and a lot more empathy towards other people? I really think that's what I want to instill in him a lot, but I also want to instill responsibility and accountability. I think that he needs to be responsible for his actions, as you were talking about, because it's going to set him up for success in school, in his career, and in life. And if he learns accountability, along with that comes integrity and trust that people will be able to look at him and know that he's a man of his word. And I think that if I can at least instill some of these things, that's a great start. And then the rest is really up to him and what he decides to do from there. But let me turn the table a little bit <laughs> nice. on you. Thanks, Kim. As a seasoned father, why do you have to keep calling me season? Well, it's, you know, Why can't I just be a father? I had steak last night, so season, right? Uh, but as a uh, boomer father, what, if anything, would you have done differently? Oh, these, are, these are tough questions, Matt. Um, but luckily, we had them before this, so just so you know. It, it, I really put a lot of thought into this. And, you know, we are who we are, and we're here because of some of those mistakes that we made. So I want to just add that again to give yourself some grace. But, of course, I would have done things differently. Of course, I would have made some changes. And knowing the power of prayer, knowing the power that I know today about prayer, I definitely would have spent more time in prayer with my kids. But a lot of my prayers were kind of like the Bible says, you do it in, in your own time, in your own prayer room, on your knees, and, and that still should happen. But I think I would have done more with my kids watching so that they can understand that I was praying for them. Maybe I would have encouraged them to pray more, not that they don't. So that's one thing I would have done different. I definitely would have worried less about the past and the future, which we tend to do as dads a lot, especially when it comes to finances, and I would have tried my best to live in the present. Um, I think I missed that mark a few times, so I wish I could have done a few, a few do-overs there. 
And I, I would have packed a car more. I would have gone on those road trips that are kind of tiring and annoying sometimes and are we there yet kind of thing. But I, now that they're out of the house, I definitely would have done those a lot more. I would have spent things less, meaning I would have let my kids deal with their emotions more rather than trying to fix it. You know, dads, we fix things. That's what we do. Sometimes we just let our, have to let our kids sit with their emotions so that they can process them. And then we come in and try to help them evaluate. And one of the things that I have to be really honest about, and, and I hope that some of you dads take this to heart, I, I would have raised my voice a lot less. Uh, hopefully not, I'm just going to call it, hopefully I wouldn't have yelled as much. Uh, if I could have a do-over, I probably would have done that. I was a soccer coach. I yelled a lot. My kids, when they did something wrong, it was like, you know, a stern, strong voice. I wish I could do that, do that over. And then here's a big one that I've been contemplating a lot recently, especially because now I see my grandkids and I want to make a difference in them as well. I would have added more encouragement to the instruction part. Quick example, you're out on the soccer field, you're coaching, you may see 10 things that the kid does, nine of them are good, one of them is wrong. What do I focus on? I need to coach what's wrong. I need to fix it. I need to make sure that it's not a flaw. I need to make sure that it doesn't create holes for everything. So I need to practice the, that same mistake so that they don't commit it again. So all my focus was on that one mistake. If I could do it over again, Matt, I would have encouraged the nine more. I still would have fixed the one. I'm not letting go of that. That's just how I'm made. <laughs> but I definitely would have added more encouragement along the way. And then I would have hugged them more. Even now, I go up to my kids as adults, and they think it's weird, but I just go up to them and hug them. And I think I would have hugged them a lot more, more physical contact when, we were, when they were little. And then here's one that probably you all would have disagreed with, but I would have had more kids. I love kids. I don't know why I only had three. I should have had more. should have had, you know, four or five. Anyway, well, the more kids you have, the better opportunity that you're going to have a good one. So just keep going. <laughs> here's the deal. As, as we close, Matt, um, you have to know, fathers, that you are blessed. You are blessed because you have children. They're a heritage from the Lord or reward from him. That means that your foundation, their foundation for your kids have to be pointed and firmly planted in God. That means that you have to make it a priority to narrow them and hone them in to God. That means that you should enjoy your kids in your youth. They're a heritage. They're a blessing from the Lord. Yes, we train them up. We sharpen them. We prepare them. And then we launch them to hit the target, right? But just know that as you walk out of these doors, that you're not alone, mm -hmm. that you have the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you. A lot of the times as men, we have the answers, we have the solutions, we know exactly what they need to do. But if we don't do it with the power of the Holy Spirit, go back to the, the vain part, right? So you have that. That should give us a confidence that we don't have on our own, that it's if we put it on God, know that God has got your back. Know that as you're feeling the pressure, especially lately, of all the pressure that we feel as, as, as men, I would say, but also as dads, that, that God knows all of that, and he's going to give you that courage, that perseverance, that endurance that you need to finish the race. So what do you say, Matt, that we close in prayer? Would you, would yeah, you close us in absolutely. prayer? absolutely. Before we do that, if you're a dad, I just want to ask you to stand up real quick in this room. Yes. It's awesome. Amen. That's yes. Yeah. And if you are standing around a dad right now, I just encourage you just to lift your hands up as we're going to pray over them, them and yeah. bless them as we go out in this place. Father, we, God, are just so amazed by you. God, by what you continually do for us, Father, how you give us these moments just to be introspective of our lives. 
Father, I pray just as all of the fathers are represented in this room, Father, that you would just enable us to be the warriors that you have called us to be. Father, that you would allow us to be prepared. Father, that you would give us the wisdom on how to raise up and to train and to launch our kids out into this world. Father, I pray that you would just equip every single father here and watching online just to be able to lead their family spiritually. Yes, Lord. Father, to be able to lead their families prayerfully. Father, to be that example in their lives. Mm. To protect their families, to guard them, to watch over them, to train them, to equip them, Father. To invest in their lives, especially their children, Father. To come alongside of them, to guide them, Father. And Father, above all else, that you would allow us to praise you no matter what comes. Yes. Father, give you the glory in every single thing that we do. So, Father, I pray that you just bless every single father in this room. Father, and that we would just continue to praise you as our Father. We love you, and we give you all the glory. pray this in your name.